Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear friends and dear brothers and sisters. We are continuing together with the study of the letter of 1 Corinthians. And I would like you please to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in this session. And I'm going to read from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15 we read, Paul, Shaul, is speaking to the Corinthians, and he continued to tell them in verse 15, But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die, than that any man should make my glorying void." For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward, then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the Messiah, without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though... I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that, that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Messiah, the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run, that he might obtain and every man that striveth for the mastery or prize is 
temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore run not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away, or disapproved. Beloved brothers and sisters, I will stop here with the reading of this interesting portion of 1 Corinthians, beloved brothers and sisters. Again, we are realizing that as we are studying the letter to the Corinthians, we learned very much of the condition that existed at Corinth, and we emphasize it all the time because Shaul Paul was writing to a local assembly that was in a state of disarray, sadly to say, but when God's people are not walking in the light of God's word, in submissiveness to his word, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, we all are capable to wonder, we are prone to go astray and disobey the Lord whom we love, who loved us first and gave himself for us. But the grace of God is towards us on a regular basis as it was in days of old towards the Corinthian believers. And here you have the servant of the Lord, the shaliach, the apostle, who was so much concerned with the condition at Corinth that wrote this long letter appealing to them to correct matters in their local assembly as you and I need to do so in our own various local assemblies, congregation, churches, kehilot, even today, some 2,000 years later. And so in the ninth chapters, beloved brothers and sisters, the apostle Shaul Paul set himself as an example. An example of one who restricts his own liberty for the benefit of others. This is exactly what we all learn from the person of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. As we read of him, that touches always our hearts in the book of Philippians, in that letter, as we read as well in the prophet Isaiah, prophetically of the promise of the coming of the Messiah. As we read in Philippians chapter 2, though he was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of a man, and being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so from the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, we learn of humility, we learn of how he gave his life a ransom for many. And you and I who are believers today benefited from the fact that Yeshua the Messiah gave his life for us, died on a shameful cross in order to pay 
for our sins. And here the apostle Shaul Paul is, is seeking to communicate with the believers at Corinth the necessity to do as much as we can in a practical way not to offend one another. And if you remember at the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Shaul Paul said, Wherefore, if food make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend or to be offended. What a principle! Very, very difficult to practice, and yet with the Lord's help and with the Lord's wisdom, that is what we are called to do. And so in the ninth chapter, beloved brothers and sisters, we have already covered the first 14 verses. We have these two points that Shaul Paul seek to communicate with the believers at Corinth after the last verse of chapter 8 where Paul emphasized the need not to use liberties and to have a proper priorities in our lives for the benefit of God's people and for the benefit of the gospel. So in the first 14 verses, which we have already covered, Paul shows that he has a right to receive support, financial support as an apostle from the believers at Corinth. And yet, if you remember, in verse 12, he says, Nevertheless, we have not used this right or this power, but suffered all things that we should not hinder the gospel of the Messiah, the gospel of Christ. So Shaul Paul said, even though as an apostle, Based upon the word of God, the apostles, the servants of the Lord had a right to be receiving support from the people of God. And some at Corinth were examining him. If you remember, he said in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 9 of this chapter of ours, he said, My answer to them that do examine me is this, and he presented before the Corinthians that he served them, they should have supported him, they should have cared for him, and they should have not examined him in a sense that they found fault in him for no reason and did not appreciate his ministry, took care of others instead of taking care of the one who really served them. And you remember he said that he gave the five arguments as to why God's servants ought to be supported by God's people. He doesn't only speak about himself, but he speaks in general of all the servants of the Lord. And you remember, in the first 14 verses, he gave us this five-fold presentation or argument concerning as to why the Corinthians should support his work and why, in general, God's people are called to support the servants of the Lord. And you remember these five points? Number one, verses one to six, I am an apostle. Number two, verse seven, this is really the human experience. It is a responsibility 
that is even in nature here. The laborer is to, to eat of the fruit of his labor. Thirdly, even the Torah, the law that God had given to our forefathers, the people of Israel, and he's taking us back to Deuteronomy 25 and verse 4, and that ox is not to be muzzled as he's treading the ground. When he's plowing, God taught Israel that uh, even the ox need to eat while he's working. And uh, Paul also made a reference to the fact that the labor is worthy of his hire, as Yeshua the Messiah said that he is quoting this to Timothy in First Timothy chapter five verses seventeen and eighteen, the words that the Lord in his lifetime said that the laborer is worthy of his hire. Wherever you work, whatever you do in this world, you deserve to eat of your labor, even the natural. Life, it is in the same way, if you work in a certain company, you do a certain job, you earn your living from that job, and then you purchase your food, and you purchase for your needs, and you're taking care of yourself by the labor that you are working. The laborer is worthy of his hire. Just to remind you, in First Timothy chapter 5, in verse 17 and 18, we do read, listen to this, Let the elder that rule well be con- counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and in doctrine, for the scripture saith, Paul is saying to Timothy, number one, he's going back to Israel's history. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. That is given in the Torah, in the law. This is the principle of life that God had given to Israel. Secondly, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. And the reference, of course, is to the Gospel of Luke, where Yeshua himself, the Messiah, himself was instructing the disciples in his days, before he died, he instructed his disciples there the day are as they go out to serve God, the labor is worthy of his hire. I'm just going to read Luke chapter 10, and we read that he have appointed 70, and he sent them two by two in verse 1. But notice what he told them, in verse 6 and 7, And if the Son of Peace be there as they are going out to share, your peace, your shalom, shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again, and in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. In other words, you make sure that sharing the message of the Word of God from house to house, and if someone stop and accept you and accept the, the ministry that you share with them, you are to stay in this house, you are to drink, you are to eat, and you are to enjoy what they are providing for you. Why? Because the laborer is worthy of his hire. Then we read also that in verses 13 and 14 of our study of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
in verses 13 and 14, Paul emphasized that it is a practice in biblical days that the priests and the Levim, the Kohanim, they received, they benefited from the sacrifices that they offered. And so we've quoted Leviticus chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 7 and, and chapter 27 and then Numbers chapter 8 and so where God instructed His people of Israel to take care of the servants who served in the tabernacle and in the temple. There was the tithing and there was the benefit that the Kohanim, the Levim, received even from the sacrifices. They had a portion for themselves. So now, after Shaul Paul have established this truth, he continue now to instruct the Corinthians from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. In this second portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul defends his right now to refuse. Listen to this. To refuse to receive support from the Corinthians. In other words, in the first 14 verses, Shaul Paul pointed to the fact that he has the right as an apostle to receive support, and he set himself as an example that he did not take it from them because he didn't want to offend anyone, and he was very sensitive to others. Now, they should have supported him. They should have supported the work of the Lord. Just like in any work of God in the world today, God's people are called to support the laborers that work in the gospel, in the work of the Lord. But Paul set for us an example here that he's very sensitive, having priorities right in his life. And especially, remember that we are studying the letter that he was writing to the Corinthians. The Corinthians' spiritual condition was very sad. Though they were saints, yet in their behavior they surely didn't behave as saints. And so now, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul is giving to us in these verses, he is presenting here before us the example of himself that while he had liberty, he practice in his liberty as an example in order to lead others to Christ, to the Messiah, and in order to benefit the believers, those who are belonging to the Lord. In chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew, and in verse 33, we read, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, he has the promise of the Lord that if you will seek the kingdom of God, God will take care of his servants. Even though some various assemblies or various churches fail to support the servants of the Lord, yet the Lord will support his own servants because the Lord is faithful to those who serve him. So notice this, beloved brothers and sisters. Here... Paul gave three reasons from verses 15 to 27 as to why he has also the right to refuse support from 
a local assembly such as the Corinthians. And so in verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, Paul explained to the Corinthians why he chose not to exercise his liberty and receive support from them, and he did not take a support from them for the gospel's sake. Notice this. Uh, that expression for the gospel's sake have been already mentioned, or the gospel of Christ is mentioned already in verse 12. You remember? Nevertheless, verse 12 in the middle, we have not used this power or this right. Why? But we suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Besuat HaMashiach, the gospel of the Messiah. And so notice this, as he's moving along now in these verses, verse 15, Paul did not want that his statements will be kind of voided. In other words, he wanted to do that which was right. So in verse 15, he says, But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glowing void. In other words, you see, he wrote these things to the Corinthians. Some might say, oh, he is writing this letter to us, so we will support him and we'll take care of him financially. But Paul said to them right away here in verse 15, that he did not want that the Corinthian will assume that he is seeking to glory in himself or to glorify himself. He wanted them to understand that as an apostle who led them to Yeshua, the Messiah, to the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, he has a right to be taken care by them because he led them to the Lord. And they are, they are the one, he's epistle, he is the one who led them to the Lord. They are the ones that are like a letter that shows here is the, those that were led them using the apostle Paul to lead them to Yeshua, the, Jesus the Messiah. So he said to them, you know, whatever I wrote to you, but I have done these things, whatever I have done for you, I didn't do it. And whatever I wrote to you, I didn't write this, that it should be done unto me, that you will support me. Notice verse 15. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me, he says. He says, and then he continues, that it is better for me to die, that than any man should make my glowing void. In other words, others came and glorify themselves, but he did not want to glorify himself. He did not assume by sharing this letter with them that he is seeking some glory for himself. Not at all. In fact, if you remember in chapter 2, he was already writing to them in the earlier portion of the letter, and I, brethren, when I came unto you, I came not with excellency of speech, of, of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech 
and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I did not come to you glorifying myself. I came to you with humility. And so, here he is telling them in verse 15, that he didn't write what he write in order for them to give him, to support him, but he wrote to them in order to for them to understand the relationship that they have with him and the responsibility that they have towards God's servant. In verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul preached the gospel. He said, I do not want to do that. I wanted to honor the Lord. I didn't do it for my personal gain. You remember, this is an amazing Verse here in verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. In other words, what he said, I preach the gospel out of not personal glory, but I wanted to honor the Lord. I have a conviction, personal conviction. I didn't do it for my benefit, but I have personal conviction. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For it is, notice he says, for necessity is laid upon me. This is his personal conviction. I sense the necessity to share the message of the gospel with others. Because I want others to come to know the Messiah. This is fascinating. Then he says that this is very interesting verse. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. What a beautiful expression. What does that mean, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel? In other words, if I don't let other people know who Yeshua is and what Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, have done, it is a loss for them. And if they will not hear the message of the gospel, they will ultimately will not be able to be led to the Lord. Now, of course, God is not limiting himself with Shaul, Paul, or with you or me. God has many ways to lead others to the person of his son. But Paul understood something that really convicted him. And you remember already in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, of the gospel of the Messiah, and one might ask him, Shaul, Paul, why aren't you ashamed of the gospel? And he said in the very same verse, For it is the power of God. It is the ground upon which God can save a sinner. It is the power of God. Why? Because the gospel, the Besorah, is Christ, the Mashiach, died for our sins, according to the scriptures. First Corinthians Chapter 15, we'll get to it later on. And he was buried and he rose again according to the Hebrew Scriptures. So the Messiah came, the Messiah died, the Messiah was resurrected from among the dead. He finished the work of redemption, his blood was shed, he died the just one for the unjust in order to bring us to God. And therefore Paul said, I am not ashamed that there is a way where a sinner can receive forgiveness of sins. And this is such a challenge for us all. 
If you come to know the Lord, have you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you come to realize that without Him, without the Messiah, Jesus, who shed His precious blood, died for your sin and sins, you will never be able to be right with God? And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe. Not everyone that earn it and work for it and buy it and and keeping certain rules, men's rules, and all sort of human rules. And No, it is because the ground for our salvation depends entirely upon the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And if you only believe sincere faith in Him, you will be accepted. Again, listen to this verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And then he continues in verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, For therein, for in that gospel, the righteousness of God revealed from faith unto faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God declared the sinner who believe in the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, righteous. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, as we believe and accept the gospel message that the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, God the Son, became a man, died for the sin of this world, was buried and rose again for our justification, whoever believes in Him will never perish but have everlasting life. And Paul belabored this here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 when he says, I preach the gospel out of personal conviction. I don't do it for any gain for myself, he says. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. He continued in verse 17, beloved brothers and sisters, and he's saying to them, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. In other words, he's saying, I present the gospel willingly. If I do it willingly, or when I do it willingly, not because somebody pay me, Not because you, Corinthian, would give me something, you examine me, you are trying to find some fault in me. And yet, I'm reminding you that I have led you to the Messiah. I came to you, I ministered to you the gospel, I've established the local assembly. I'm not saying it for my glory, I'm just letting you know. And you should have recognized my apostleship. But apparently, sadly, they examine him. They always try to find fault. Well, you could see the condition that existed there at Corinth. Throughout the whole book, the whole letter, you could see the sad condition that existed in this local assembly. So Paul wanted to assure them that he preached the gospel willingly. And he did so willingly. The, the Lord will reward him. Even if they do not appreciate, even if the Corinthians do not appreciate his service 
oftentimes how true it is that the servants of the Lord are not appreciated by those whom they serve. Many times the support of the servants of the Lord was provided by those who don't even receive the ministry that those who should have supported the servants of the Lord should have provided. But again, we live here in this world. Failure in us all. But God knows every situation and the servants of the Lord are called to trust God. Called to trust the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. So the apostle says in verse 17, notice he used this expression and I I think it is fascinating as we learn from the Brit HaChadashah, from the New Covenant of this present age, the, the dispensation that we live in, the economy, oikonomia. This is a, a different era, different dispensation that we live in today since the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord Jesus the Messiah and His exaltation and the, the coming of the Holy Spirit of God. God knew that at His first coming, the Messiah will not be accepted by the nation of Israel. Then that He will be accepted at His second coming for His people Israel to establish the Messianic kingdom that God had promised to His chosen people, the nation of Israel. And He will accomplish this to the letter. But we live in a different era, different dispensation. Here it is called the word oikonomia, economy, in a manner whereby God is dealing now in the world. He is building the ecclesia, the church, Jew and Gentile united together into that one body. Notice Paul being Jewish, ministering to the Gentiles at Corinth. And it's wonderful to see in this present age where Jew and Gentiles are united into that one body. And that's why Paul is saying in verse 17, he says, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if it is against my will, he says, look, it's not against my will because a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And that word dispensation come from the Greek word oikonomia. That economy is speaking of the present day age in which, notice that, it's mentioned also in Ephesians chapter 3, the whole third chapter of the, of the letter to the Ephesians, very important to understand because Paul there explained to us that this present age dispensation days of the church age is a unique age because it was not known to mankind in days of old. It was not known by the prophets of Israel either. God did not reveal it unto them. I'll read you just a verse or two in Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause I, Paul, verse 1, the prisoner of Jesus the Messiah for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the economy of the grace of God, which is given me towards you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as, you, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye might understand my knowledge of the mystery of Messiah, the mystery of Christ, 
which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. In verse 9 of Ephesians 3, Paul said, And to make all men see what the fellowship of the mystery, notice that again, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who revealed all things by Jesus Christ, by Yeshua the Messiah. So this dispensation has been given unto the Apostle Paul, and he is ministering this now, the truth of the gospel to the Corinthians, and he's saying to them, I don't do this in order for you to give me something. I do not want to take anything from you because of your condition, because of you challenging me, and because you examining me and try to find faults in me. And Corinthians, you need to have a correct perspective as to your responsibility. Notice in verse 18 of First Corinthians chapter 9 where we are, Paul did not want to abuse the power, his power in the gospel. He did not want to charge anyone for preaching the message of the gospel. They should have known that they should have supported him as any Local churches who have servants of the Lord raised and go out to serve the Lord have this responsibility as it was in Israel's history when the people of Israel were called to support the Kohanim and the Leviim in various ways. And as God provided for them right from the altar where the sacrifices were placed on the altar, God provided a portion for his servant. This is a principle that is given to us by God and in life, in nature. And so in verse 18, Paul says, What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power or my authority or my right in the gospel he did not want to abuse his right he could have taken from the corinthians demand this from them but he didn't he actually writing to them now that he has a, not only a right to receive from them but also he has a right to refuse to receive support from them and that's what he's pointing here in these verses, beloved brothers and sisters. So he's giving them three reasons that Shaul Paul explaining why he refused support from the Corinthians and specifically because of their condition. Apparently in Second Corinthians chapter 11 we read that he was serving as a tent maker. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we read in verse 6, But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things, he's saying to the Corinthians in his second letter, have I committed an offense in, in abasing myself? that ye might be exalted, because I have preached unto you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other churches 
taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. When he had a need, he was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. See, the condition there in Corinth was sad. So the Apostle Paul is mentioning this to them, beloved brothers and sisters. He says in verse 10 of Second Corinthians 11, As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. In other words, Paul did not want from the Corinthians to, to support him because of the manner whereby they thought of him, sadly, how they behave. And so, the first reason out of the three reasons are found here in First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 to 18, Paul, he chose not to exercise this liberty for the gospel's sake. Then notice in verses 19 to 23, he wanted to set an example as a servant because he wanted to do it for the gospel's sake, but for the sinner's sake. He preached the gospel, he served God, not out of any other motive except for the gospel's sake and now for sinner's sake. Notice verse 19. Paul was free and yet he made himself a servant. In verse 19 he said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. In other words, I am free. I don't have any accountability to anyone. And yet, beloved brothers and sisters, Shaul Paul said, I made myself a servant. If we want to serve God, we have to develop an attitude of servants. We are called to serve the Lord. You remember what we read in Second Corinthians chapter 4? These verses in verse 5, it says, and I'm reading, Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and I serve your servants for Jesus' sake, for Yeshua's sake. We are servants for Yeshua's sake. That is very important principle to understand. Anyone in Israel's history who served our people of all the people of Israel, they were serving the nation out of love for the nation. Habakkuk is called the embracer of Israel, the lover of Israel. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet who loved his people, who wrote the book of Lamentation, concerning his own people who were punished now 
but allowed by the Lord to bring the Babylonian in and to take the people of Israel, the Jewish people, captive. He wept for his people. When you think about Isaiah and you think about all the prophets of Israel, how they loved the people of Israel and served them as servants. It is the same today, beloved brothers and sisters. When we serve the Lord, we have to love God's people. Shaul Paul loved the Corinthians and he served them and he ministered to them. In verse 20 we read, in verse 20 we read how Paul, notice verse 20, 21, 22, and 23, Paul shows us that he was sharing the message of the gospel as a servant. And he did it towards others out of love for others. While he mentioned earlier in verses 15 to 18 that he chose to exercise, to use these liberties that he had for the gospel's sake, here Paul is a, becoming an example towards others and he does sharing the message of the gospel for the sinner's sake. So, he was free, he made himself servant, verse 19. And then he says, this is such an amazing lesson, in verse 20. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. Let me remind you that Paul did not need to become a Jew. He was a Jew, he was a Jewish man, he was an Israeli, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. But he understood his own people, the Jewish people, and their need. And he sought to gain them for the Messiah by seeking to reach them where they were. Notice he continued in the same verse 20. And he said there to them that are under the law, as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. Well, who are the under the law? The Jewish people. God gave to our people of Israel the Torah, the law. And so Shaul Paul says, listen, I would seek to maintain the law, not because now under the law of Christ, under the law of the Messiah, but I will do things in order to gain my brethren, my people. Of course, he would not violate the gospel, but he would go far in order to reach his people. Now, to remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, he was a... Pharisee of the Pharisees, Shaul was. When he's come to the law, he said of himself. He was perfect in the sense that he abided by the law that God had given to Israel and beyond. You remember what we read in Philippians chapter 3? He mentioned this, the Apostle Paul, of himself. When he was writing about himself, he said... But what things were gained to me account for loss for Christ. You remember what he said of himself? Though I might have confidence in the flesh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 4, if any other man thinketh that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. That is a Hebrew circumcision. And I am from the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Binyamin, a Hebrew and Hebrew of the Hebrews, a statue in the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, 
persecuting the assembly, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. So Shaul give us here an example and he says, listen, I would do anything without to violate the gospel, the grace of God, but I will do anything to gain the Jewish people to come to recognize that they can be redeemed and forgiven on the basis of the gospel message of the word of God that the Messiah has come and he died for our sins and was raised again for our justification. But he goes beyond. In verse 21 he said to them that are without law. This is to the Gentiles, to the Goim. As without law. In other words, he would come, he would go to the Gentiles. That's what he did to the Corinthians. After he went to the synagogue, he left the synagogue. Those that believe from the synagogue, from the Jewish community in Corinth, they continued to follow after Christ, after the Messiah. But then he went to the Gentiles in Corinth. And he led many to come to know the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, as the Savior and Lord. But you notice what he said to them that are without law, is without law, but then he adds, he says, be not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, the law of the Messiah. That is so important, beloved brothers and sisters. The law of the Messiah is the law of love. The law of love. God so loved the world and gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave the Mashiach, the Messiah, to pay for the sin of this world. That's the love of God. That's the law. Torah HaMashiach, we say in Hebrew. The law of the Mashiach, the law of Christ. You remember what we read? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass and a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. You can put the word Mashiach, Messiah, Christ, Christos. Mashiach, loveth, suffer long. The Messiah, Christ, is kind. Love envies not. Love vanteth not itself. Love is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemingly, not seeking her own, is not easily provoked. Think no evil, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoicing in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, enduring all things, love never faileth. Yeshua, Jesus, never failed. Messiah, Christ, never failed. Everything else will fail. But the law of Christ, the law of Messiah, that I might gain them that are without law. Oh, beloved friend, what a wonderful truth to learn. 
of the love of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. This is what was the burden of Shaul Paul. He wanted to share this truth that there is a way whereby a sinner can be forgiven. And the way that he or she can be forgiven is by turning to the lover of their soul, our blessed Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. And so in these verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23, Shaul Paul is emphasizing the door he was free, he made himself a servant, he learned from his master. Jesus the Messiah himself. To the Jews, he became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To the one that under the law, I became as one that under the law that I might gain the one that is under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of the Messiah that I might gain them that are without law. This verse 21. In verse 22 he said, To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak, I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Of course, he is not a savior, but he is a servant of the savior. He is a servant of the Messiah, of Christ, of God, who have gone to Corinth and elsewhere to share the message of the gospel. So Paul did all this for the sake of the gospel, as he says in verse 23, For this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partakers thereof with you. I wanted you to come to know the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. I led you to him. And I wanted to identify with the love of the Lord Jesus for all men. And I love you, and I share with you the gospel. I wanted you to benefit from this. And you notice that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 12, if others, notice he used the word others many times, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather... Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffered all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. This expression, others, in verse 14 again, use that word, notice that even so has the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In other words, he used that expression, of the gospel many times in order to be preached unto others. And so you have these words in verse 16, 17, 18, even in verse 23, this I do for the gospel's sake. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, this is the second reason that Paul is explaining why he had refused support from the Corinthians. Number one, because he wanted to do it for the gospel's sake, lest someone will say, oh, you are, we are paying you to share the gospel. Secondly, he did it in verse 19 to 23 for the sinner's sake, for the benefit of sinners. 
And now thirdly in verse 24, 25, 26 and 27. He did it for his own sake. Paul's concern for the possibility of some to say that he did it only for some personal gain that he shared the gospel. He wanted for his own conscience sake. He refused to take support from the Corinthians because of, first of all, their behavior, their attitude, that might show that they would be inclined to find fault in Paul and he didn't want them to to stumble. As you remember how we concluded 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13, If meat make my brother to be offended, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to be offended. And so notice these final verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. In verse 24, Paul encouraged others to run faithfully. And so he says in verse 24, Know ye know the day which run in a race, run all, but one receives the prize, so run that ye may obtain. So Paul is setting an example here. He's saying, listen, run the race. I want to be an example for you. Run the race. Continue to follow after the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Continue to live for Him. Run the race. And so all of us, beloved brothers and sisters, when we became redeemed, we are really in a race, not a race against one another, but together with one another. And the race is to please the Lord. You remember in... Hebrews chapter 12, the the Jewish author who wrote to his Jewish brethren said to them, Wherefore, seeing we also compass about with so great cloud of witnesses, let us run, lay aside every weight, and the sin, this is the sin of disobedience, the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, the race that is said before us, notice verse 2, looking unto Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, the author and the finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's the truth that we learn in Scripture, that the believers are in a race, not against one another, but together with one another. But there is a prize that is awaiting, a reward. We are not called to run for the benefit of the reward, but we are to run realizing that God is honored when we are living for Him. In Philippians chapter 3, we read in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, in the Messiah, Yeshua. So, we have the example and the encouragement that Paul gave to the Corinthian 
he gave to the Philippian as the Hebrew author gave to the Jewish believers to whom he wrote. Notice in verse 25, we are here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, Paul encouraged to seek incorruptible prize, that crown that is incorruptible. And every man that strives for a mastery or for a prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain corruptible crown, but we, this is me, Paul, you, Corinthian, Philippian, and you and I, brothers and sisters, whoever you are, we are called to run in order that we will ultimately obtain an incorruptible crown. In Scripture, we have many crowns that are promised to faithful believers who live for the Lord in these days and seek to honor Him in their life. How wonderful the crown that I promise uh, to give to the people of God. All these crowns that are mentioned in Scripture really simply just another way of encouraging the believers to continue to follow the Lord. Here we have in 1 Corinthians 9.25, incorruptible crown. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, we have the crown of righteousness. In James chapter 1 and verse 12, we have the crown of life. Keter hachaim. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, we have the crown of glory. Keter hakavod in Hebrew. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19, we have the crown of rejoicing. Beloved brothers and sisters, the incorruptible crown, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the crown of glory, the crown of rejoicing, these crowns are simply representing rewards that faithful believers who live for God, serving God here in this world, will receive when we are going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of the Messiah. And this crown that we will receive simply because of faithfulness as here in this world one is serving the Lord. But you see, beloved brothers and sisters, as the Lord will give us this crown, we will cast these crowns before the Lord Himself. And notice what we read in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4, And around about the throne and, and a four and twenty seats, and upon the seats, John says, I saw four and twenty elders representing really the believers of this present day of the church age, sitting clothed in White raiment speaks of for righteousness that we receive because of the work of Christ, of the word of the Messiah. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. These are the Stephanos crowns, not diadem, but Stephanos crown out of obedience and service for the Lord. And this is wonderful, beloved brothers and sisters that these crowns will be cast before the Lord. And because of who He is, He is worthy. He is the one 
they deserve to receive these crowns. They will be cast before him. And there we will realize that everything that we receive was given to us by the Lord, even the strength to be able to serve him here in this world. And that's what the Apostle Paul is seeking to explain, that that we are called to be faithful and to live for him here in this world. And so notice that in verses 26 and 27, in conclusion, Paul uh, encouraged to fight a good fight with determination because when we continue on and fighting, meaning to be under the submission of the Lord, to be led by Him, ultimately one will be approved by the Lord who will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And so in verse 26 we read, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, he says, so I so fight I not as one that beat the air. No, I'm running a certain sure run the race to seek to honor the Lord. I don't beat the air. I run in a way that is pleasing to the Lord to use me as a vessel of honor. And then you notice at the end of this chapter, verse 27, he says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Why? Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. And that word for cast away, a better word is disapproved. The Lord doesn't cast away his servants. No, because his servants will never be cast away. His people will never be cast away because they are redeemed. They have eternal life. They will never perish. But that expression here is disapproved. Paul wanted to be approved by God. He wants to be approved by God, that God will be pleased with him, with whatever he did here in this world. And what an encouragement it is for you and I, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends. May the Lord help us to have this desire to live for him and be approved by him. Notice what we read in the book of Daniel. When Daniel received his revelation concerning his people Israel, the Michael in Daniel chapter 12, at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince, this is verse 1, which standeth for the children of thy people. This is the people of Daniel. He said that there shall be a time of trouble. This is the tribulation period. But thy people shall be delivered out of it, God said to Daniel through the angel Michael. Many of them that sleep in the dust, verse 2, shall be awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. But then he says in verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. In other words, to Daniel 
and to Daniel's people who live godly even during the days of trouble in the history of Israel, the godly in Israel who serve God like Daniel, like Moshe, like Eliyahu, like Yeshayahu, like Yeremiahu, and all the men, the servants of God, those that we read about and those that we don't, God will reward them. And for you and I today of this present day age, beloved brothers and sisters, God, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, will reward the faithful servants. And that's why Shaul Paul said at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be disapproved. He wanted to be approved by the Lord Jesus the Messiah. He wanted to be pleasing to Him. If any man's work abide, which he has built, thereupon he shall receive a reward. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 14. Well, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, may the Lord bless us and encourage us to continue to on to serve the Lord here in this world, because soon and very soon, the Lord Jesus the Messiah is coming to take us to be with Him in glory. God bless you. Until the next time, we would say Shalom Shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.